What's up, everybody? Welcome to Show Me the Meaning, Wisecracks Movie Podcast. Show me the meaning! My name is Jared. I'm joined here with the Show Me the Meaning crew. We got Greg. What's up? And joining us again, I feel like it's been a while, is Ryan. What up, film fans? Actually, it's been a while for both of you. Yeah, yeah. True story. True story. (laughs) Today, we're talking about John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum, directed by Chad Stileski, starring Keanu Reeves and Halle Berry. As always, going to go around the room and get some first impressions. What did you guys think of the movie? Let's start with Ryan. Two thumbs up. Fuck yeah. Loved every second of it. John Wick 3 is the best John Wick flick. <laughs> right, just had to get that out of the way. But yeah, it was beautiful in its simplicity, of course, just like all of them. But it even, it went up, it dialed it to 11, dude. Like, it found... It knows exactly what John Wick fans came to see, and it gave them to it gave it to them in spades, but also gave them some weird ass shit that I never even knew I wanted, like seeing a man get killed by a book. Um, <laughs> you know, like the cinematography is just insanely impressive. Not since Jackie Chan have we got such a fucking mix of comedy and just violence. And my only, I, I my only complaints is a the runtime. It's two hours and 11 minutes. The first John Wick movie was 90 minutes, a little bit more, but like I really feel like that was the secret to the first one's success was that it was just in and out, kill a little bunch of people, there you go. <laughs> you know, This one, it, it built the mythology more, it built the world more, which was fucking awesome. I love the world building in this movie. But I do think, it, you know, there was there was a point near the end where there was the law of diminishing returns where you're like, I'm seeing so many amazing headshots but they're having little to no effect on me at this point because I've seen so many up till now. But uh, but that's such a small complaint. Basically, I'm getting too much awesomeness is what I'm complaining about. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, boo-hoo. But, uh, and then the only other thing is I had a little – this might just be on me, but, like, a little bit of it was confusing the mythology of, like, the elder, the guy in the desert. I want to talk about that. Kind of just really, like, what – how how the the high table works and functions and who mm. who's a part of it that uh was a little vague sometimes and then also just kind of i feel like john wick we could have gotten a more final arc because it it does it's very much it sets you setting you up for a sequel at the very yeah. end which i you know i guess i understand it's 2019 you're gonna have that cliffhanger ending like it's a end of game of thrones or something but I don't. I feel like here we are with John Wick three. You could have given a more final uh, conclusion to him instead of just throwing him off a building, <laughs> and then watching him fall, and then saying, "Oh, I'm going to get those guys." That's my only complaints. Loved it. Yeah, we have an email about the cliffhanger thing that we'll get to later. But Greg, what'd you think? I I dug it. I dug it. Um, I like John Wick. Uh, I don't know what's up with America and and uh, you know, going crazy. After you kill somebody's dog, <laughs> I mean, with Hollywood nuts, <laughs> I was like, "All right, all right, all right, all right, already." That makes perfect sense to me. I know? get I mean, it. I got no. my dog right here. I thought yeah. about you while I was watching it. Um, yeah, I, I like the movie. It was weird. Like um, some elements of it, like all. It's just so. I, I really enjoyed the hand-to-hand combat more than the more than the gunfights. Uh, the gunfights got kind of got kind of old when him and Hallie were uh, were getting out of that uh, that fucking kingdom, and it's just like it was, the gunfights just really got kind of boring. But that was um, a gunfight with dog fighting too, so it was. Different. I dug the dog fighting. I dug the you know, rah, 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 go get him. <laughs> <laughs> I dug that aspect of it. 
Uh, Dog scaled a building <laughs> to like bite some dudes <laughs> nuts. Fuck jumped, yeah. Jumped on Hallie's back. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I did dig that. Um, I do have one complaint. The woman from uh, Billions. Uh, yeah. Trash. I was just. I, oh, I, like I loved her, her a, character, dude. Look, I loved her character. I didn't like her as the character. It's, I loved her just, as the character. I can't imagine anyone else being in that character. She was. I awesome. can imagine tons of people being in that. Uh, she just is. Is she's unbelievable? I'm on the uh, fence about that too, because that character isn't menacing no. like the other people in the movie are. Disagree. No. That tattoo is. Everybody else, everybody else's tattoo. I was like, all right, I can see that. Dude, I can see that. What is more menacing than fucking bureaucracy? Okay, she represents the person okay. at the DMV or the IRS that's going to come <laughs> fuck your life over. Even if, you, even though you're an assassin, you can't escape the fucking adjudicator of I just the high don't table. I, I I totally agree. You know, when I go to DMV, I come with a smile. I, I'm basically bling, bringing roses with my smile. Uh, but I just I just didn't believe it with her. I, I you know maybe I watch Billions too much. Maybe I hear her on her every fucking commercial in the world right now. But I just didn't believe her as that as that person. And I gotta say I've never seen her before. I don't even know who she is. So oh, she's in Billions. You gotta watch. If you watch, watch Billions, you'll you'll feel the exact same way I feel. She's yeah. great in Billions. Um. But I, I, I dug the movie. I watched it at the Vista, so it's kind of weird watching it with a bunch of L.A. actors applauding when somebody gets blasted in the eyeball. You know what I mean? But um, but yeah, I dug it. I'm happy for Keanu Reeves, happy for Hallie, happy for Lawrence Fishburne, and that's about it. Hell yeah, dude! I was a pig in shit with this movie. Yeah, I, I knew you would, baby. Say, I yeah, <laughs> I was in hog heaven. I don't know why I'm using so many pig metaphors, but <laughs> so funny. I wish I'd seen it, was, it with you, dude. I knew we were probably laughing at the same. I was just kills. on cloud nine for two hours and eleven minutes, according to Ryan, and I just never wanted it to end. And Ryan, did you notice that it was the whole stunt team from the raid in the raid two? Makes perfect sense. Yeah, dude. So and and the top chef uh, host, <laughs> you know. Wait, the top chef host? Yeah, isn't the, the, the main uh, uh, the bald guy? Yeah, the main guy that is, that's running after him is the host of Top Chef. I'm pretty sure. Really? Whoa! I don't watch Top Chef, but I am familiar with the Food Network extended universe, <laughs> uh, and I don't think I've ever seen him. But that's crazy. Yeah. I'll have to look into that. But yeah, so. In that final battle where he fights those two dudes at once, Great. that's the guy who plays Mad Dog in the raid and the raid two. Plus, the other guy is the guy that the main that Uko Iwias or Eko Iwias, I don't know his name, fights in the kitchen at the end of the raid two. And you know, I am so into the raid movies, and just any reason to keep these guys employed. These guys are at the top of the martial arts fighting game. These guys are so damn talented. And the fact that it takes it takes a philanthropist like Keanu Reeves to get them work in America because they don't speak English, but goddamn, they are so good. Just being able to see them in a fight scene was just so rewarding. And uh, there was another guy. So the whole like Food Network, the whole Top Chef guy, his little network of guys, they were all characters from the raid. And I fucking love the raid. I loved how there was more dog stuff. I loved how Halle Berry had dogs. Hilarious. I loved how, dude, when John Wick's dog like left the hotel at the end after mm -hmm. he'd been thrown off the building, I, I kind of teared up a little bit, you know, the, the, the dog following him. I was just about uh, to ask, did you cry when Halle Berry's dog got shot, Jared? I knew it had armor. That oh, okay. dog was fine. <laughs> <you know? laughs> um, 
Yeah, man, Halle Berry was fucking awesome. She, she was kicked great. ass. She was I've, great. Have, I, have I? I don't think I've ever. I mean, Halle Berry was Catwoman. I never saw that movie, but I, well, I, I didn't know she to. could. I, don't, I didn't think she could kick ass like that. That's X-Men, crazy. Baby. She was great. But X Men, she's just on wires, having her eyes roll back through her head and <laughs> having some like you know rain effects go on. But this was just so special for me. I just love these movies. And as far as the cliffhanger thing, hey man, any reason for a John Wick four? I don't give a fuck. I, I give agree. me more, I mean, more, more. It's gonna go to eight. It didn't bother me. That I'll bad. Get, bring it on. It's gonna go to eight for sure. Bring it on. I just and you know what else I love? I love the um, the the Matrix reunion element of it. So yeah. not only with Lawrence Fishburne, but the guy who plays the Doctor that he sees, he's like, you know, I've only got five minutes left. He's the key. He's master. the key maker. You're That's right. right. Yeah. Right. And and um, and did you get uh, w- w- whenever Lawrence Fishburne goes like, my pigeons are the internet. That was a nice yeah, little Morpheus yeah, callback. Yeah. I thought. True indeed. I caught that. You know, I was actually thinking that when they revealed the elder, the guy in the desert, I thought like, oh, man, maybe it's going to be Hugo Weaving. Maybe they're going to do another intertextual <laughs> Matrix thing. Because then later, uh, Keanu Reeves says we need guns, lots of guns, yeah. which is from the Matrix. Yeah, so I was wondering how far they were going to go with that. But that didn't happen. The The guy who plays the elder, I looked up who he is. I don't, I don't remember exactly what it is, but he's not in anything Matrix related. But yeah, man. I was so happy with this movie. So happy to see the people of the Raid movies. If you guys haven't seen The Raid or The Raid 2, I can't recommend them enough. They are the best martial arts movies of this generation. And the fact that martial arts cinema really isn't a thing anymore is kind of sad. But, you know, it takes, like I said earlier, philanthropists like Keanu Reeves to keep it alive. I and, love uh, that you call him so, a philanthropist. <laughs> that's, He's that's, a philanthropist who's making millions on this movie, but fuck it. That's you know? the fourth time. <laughs> Look at him versus uh, Lawrence Fishburne. True. You know, like, I mean, not that there's anything wrong with Lawrence Fishburne, but Keanu Reeves, after the intense training of The Matrix, he kept with the martial arts and really made a passion out of it, whereas Lawrence Fishburne just got fat and said, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> Swelled up. He did swell up. Yeah. Um, um, Jared, I have a question. Uh, 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 Greg had mentioned his audience was 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 laughing and cheering and stuff. My audience was awesome. Like like every oh, yeah. every kill was like a big big uh, reaction. How was your audience? It was fucking awesome, dude. Yeah. It was like a mix of wincing and laughing. This is yeah. such a crowd pleaser yeah. movie, dude. Everyone has a blast watching this movie. I feel yeah. like. Yeah. In fact, uh, one of our sound engineers said he was going to wait to see it on Netflix. Someone was like, no, you go and you pay to see that movie in a <laughs> yeah, theater. And he it. said it was worth it. Is so. Keanu doing his own stunts? Mm-hmm. Keanu, he's not. Is yeah. he really? Hell yeah. Wow. All yeah, right, he's right. hardcore. Him and Tom Cruise, man, you can't touch him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get that on a bumper sticker. <laughs> and Tom Cruise, you can't touch him. All right. Yeah. Keanu Reeves like is way more badass in terms of stunts than Tom Cruise. I mean, Tom Cruise has the big the big ones, like the helicopter and stuff, but like, like, like the martial arts, you know, is a whole discipline, you got to know. Like Keanu Reeves over Tom Cruise any day of the week. I mean, look, we're we're very fortunate to have both of them. <laughs> okay, yeah. I was what, just 50? in a fight, in a stunt Keanu fight. Keanu Reeves is fi- is at least fifty. Wow. Or he's fifty, and he's and there was a part when he's fighting the two guys from the raid that I felt like, okay, you could just tell through these guys' body movements that they are fourteen times faster than Keanu Reeves' old body. But fuck it, I don't care. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I did love that part of it. Um, I I, I like the cheesiness and the like fanboy. Part of the guys going against Keanu uh, or John. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was dope. I, 
I love that part too. The, 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 I, I've, I've read some reviews where people kind of complain about that, you know, whenever they have them dead to rights and then they're just kind of like, oh, we love you, John Wick. Big fans. It's kind of like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, to me, I, I thought that was hilarious. And See, uh, th- I, if that was my one complaint, I didn't like when didn't the, with the Top Chef guy. By the way, I don't even know if he is the host of Top <laughs> Chef, but I'm going to just call him that. And either way, the Top Chef guy kind of. And it kind of broke for me when he was like, oh, I'm your big fan. I like the comedy when it's just comedy of brutality. That's when it works the best for me. When you see a guy get his head, when his neck broken on a book or <laughs> see a guy get stabbed in the top of his bald head and then like smashing it down. That's the kind of comedy I appreciated. I felt like they had to do that. I felt like they had to break it up a little bit with just the the violence and you know the violence that's already in America. I felt like they had to like comic book it up a little bit, you know, make it seem a little like, hey guys, this is all fun and games. Yes, yeah. you know, that's yeah, my take I, on it a little I, bit. I, I love I that angle so, personally. I thought it was better in the second one when they had Common, and it was just much more subtle. It's just him and Common after having almost killed each other, just having a drink, and I don't know. It's a little bit more subtle. But. More subtle. You want subtlety in your John Wick movies? <laughs> when it comes to the comedy, I yes. Was... When it comes to the comedy, yes. What did you guys think about the uh, like them showing the whole inner workings of like the uh, the assassin uh, factory and all the awesome. ladies with the tattoos and the whole soundboard and I liked it a lot. One of the things, I mean, more to the world building, I liked that it was a mix of really sexy younger women, but then also sexy older women who you could just. Tell they like, were the you know the sexy yeah, exactly yeah, yeah, they've yeah, been yeah. there for decades exactly I loved it I yeah. love that part I, I I I just hope in the next one we see more of that yeah, yeah, yeah. they they keep peeling behind peeling back the curtain now we saw Braun mm-hmm. or whoever the, the the guy who mints the currency and we saw the elder. But anyway, we'll get into that. I still yeah. got to do a recap. Okay. Can't stop geeking out about this movie. All right. <laughs> Real quick, Jared, before you go into the recap, I'm sure the, all the commenters are yelling, screaming at their uh, screens because it's not Top Chef. It's the Iron Chef host. That was oh, the correction. He really is a right. Food Network host? That's crazy. That's awesome. All right. I'm going to have to start watching Iron Chef. Okay, cool. So, recap. John Wick has only minutes left before he is deemed excommunicado by the high table, after which every assassin in New York will be after him. John goes to the library where he recovers a secret stash of emergency items, including a marker and a ticket. Using the ticket, John goes to a Russian ballet theater slash assassin training center and bargains for passage to Casablanca, where he meets the woman bound to his marker, Sophia. Meanwhile, an adjudicator of the high table comes to New York and strips Winston and the Bowery King of their power for disobeying the rules and aiding John Wick in his escape. When the Bowery King refuses, he is killed. Invoking the marker, John makes Sophia introduce him to Barada, the Minister of Currencies, in an attempt to get an audience with the Elder, the only one who is above the high table. Things go south, and John and Sophia have to shoot their way out of there. John finds the Elder in the desert and is told that the only way he can be reinstated is if he kills Winston. Back at the Continental, John refuses to kill Winston, and Winston refuses to step down. In response, the Adjudicator deems the Continental deconsecrated and sends in mobs of assassins to kill them. John does what John does best and kills all the assassins, causing Winston and the Adjudicator to bargain for peace. But John isn't part of the deal. Winston turns on John and shoots him off a building to be left for dead. 
but he's found by the Bowery King, who still lives, and together they vow revenge. End of movie. <laughs> All right, cool. Iron Chef. That's fucking badass. You know, my girlfriend really likes Food Network stuff. I'm surprised she didn't point that out. But uh, so let's start off talking about comedy. So we've already been talking about uh, how f- it's like a mix of like wincing and comedy. And then I don't know if you noticed this, both of you, but at the beginning sequence of the movie, we have a Buster Keaton movie, in this case, The General, being projected on the side of a building just like it was in the second one. Did you catch that, Ryan? No. (laughs) It's, yeah. When I think it's the first scene when it's like leading up to an exterior of the Continental, we see The General being projected in the background. Oh, like when there's all the billboards that are all all the colorful billboards everywhere? Yeah, yeah. Uh, And they did the same thing in the second one. And I was so happy to see that because... Nice Easter egg. That's right. This over-the-top violence will continue in the tradition of Buster Keaton, Jackie Chan, and all those legends. Even um, Honestly, even more so, I feel like, obviously, than the second one, like you pointed out. Because, I mean, the first fight scene, when he fights that giant man, I mean, that was yeah. so He's a funny. basketball player. Just a, gi- the, a small um, guy fighting a giant uh, person. I mean, there you go. The uh, th- that's setting the stage for this movie. And it's I a throwback to Bruce off. Lee. Bruce Lee and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah. Well, then in the end, good point. The whole thing with him going different levels oh, same is thing. all the same movie, right. Great Game of Death, the Bruce final Bruce Lee movie. Yeah, I didn't even catch that. Yeah. Yeah, you're right with the mirrors and the the glass. Yeah. Wow. This I don't is remember a whole the Bruce Lee homage. You're right. I remember the levels. It's been a while since I've seen it. You know, like one level is I think Chuck Norris, and then he goes and it's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and then I don't remember who's at the top, but kind of similar to that. Uh. So I'm actually reading a book on humor. It's actually a philosophy book written by a guy named Terry Eagleton. It's called Humor. If you guys like philosophy and like humor, I really recommend reading it because he basically, humor is something that a lot of philosophers have talked about for, you know, hundreds of years. And uh, Terry Eagleton does a really good job of surveying basically all of their theories and kind of contextualizing it within contemporary humor. And I stumbled upon one quote that I think really hits the nail on the head as to why this movie is funny. And uh, so he gives a very Freudian take on why something like this movie is funny. So he says, death, wreathed as it is in portentous significance, is momentarily disarmed so that the energy we invest in repressing the fact of our own mortality can be discharged in laughter. Humor involves a brutal disregard for human value, a value that we nevertheless continue to cherish. We can dip into this senselessness for a blessed moment without having to sign on for some of its more f- frightful consequences. Um, so this really resonated with me to the fact that there is this kind of brutal disregard for human value that because we're all so scared of death and because life is something that we hold so sacred, when we see how brutally it's disregarded, we just can't help but laugh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and and honest, uh, yeah, I totally agree with that. But, but I'd also add to that that all the people in the movie, you know, they in a way have it coming, which gives it a justification to laugh at it because they're all, you know, in a way, John Wick, it's you know, a warped self-defense. Everyone that uh, that's coming after him is an assassin. You know, they're in this game. So it's not like innocent people are getting slaughtered and we're laughing at it. It's like these are all people trying to kill each other. So therefore, you know, that's just part of it. You know, kill or be killed kind of thing. And the more creative... Uh, ways they get killed the harder we laugh it's interesting yeah you guys have have (laughs) book killing book killing well that that's a great i was gonna ask if you guys have favorite moments of 
comedy killings. Yes, I, I, I love it. One very much so. Go for it. It's it's the the one shot of the two of John Wick throwing the axe across the room at his oh, head. Yeah, yeah. That was hilarious. <laughs> I laughed so my funny. ass off. <laughs> and then like stumble walk off afterwards. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I love it when in the Halle Berry with the dog scene they reload with other people's ammo and then kill them with it. <laughs> oh, that one scene was, it was very Jackie chan It was three people and their guns. Uh, they all like ran out of ammo at the same time and mm-hmm. they had to rush to put it in first. And yeah. And then doesn't he do something like he kills a guy underwater? Yeah. How does he do it? He gets up close and, sh- and shoots him, right? Oh, yeah. yeah that's he right. He was shooting he, him. And, he, he was and those, like... the bullets weren't like going through the water. <laughs> yeah. And then John Wick just gets point blank and just shoots him in the head. And his oh, helmet it's so like, good. explodes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. It's so good. All right. Um, what about some of the world building moments? So you mentioned, we already, I already mentioned the old woman in the call center. I like the idea of the adjudicator a lot. And Ryan already kind of brought up some of the reasons why. Just the idea of like a stand-in for the sovereign, the person who keeps everyone in line. I really liked uh, the whole ticket thing with mm-hmm. the Russian ballet theater that also doubles as like an assassin training ground. And Angelica Houston is so cool. Awesome. Yeah. She did great too. Yeah. Yeah. What else did you guys like? Well, can I bring up what I uh, didn't exactly understand? Yeah, yeah, Maybe go you guys for it. Explain it to me. So. So she's there uh, representing the high table, right? Yeah. Have we and is the high table represented by the guy in the desert or is is the high table just everybody? Like who is she answering to? I think she's a representative of the high table. I don't think we ever see the high table. We've it's never just, seen the high table. Okay. I think it's just meant to be this table where all the bigwigs sit. And the guy in the desert is head of the bigwigs. Or he said right. they say he's the only one above it. Hmm, okay. So, so okay, so we've seen the guy above it. We haven't seen the high who? table people that the adjudicators from. I, I guess I was trying to figure well, out that's next because yeah, I was expecting yeah. some really old guy out in the desert. That guy was pretty young for one. That was one kind of odd yeah. thing. Um, and then he definitely seemed like he kind of gave John Wick what he wanted pretty quickly. I guess John, he did make him cut a finger off, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, did you? I didn't quite get that. So it was like his wedding ring finger. I'm. Is is it just like sacrifice something that's meaningful to you? Your wedding ring finger because there was like a ring yeah, on it. That, it was. Is there anything that I missed? No. I mean, was it? It was his left hand. No, no, it was his right hand. Right. I just know that there was an actual ring off the finger that they had to take off once. Yeah. It was dismembered. To be honest, I thought that like when it first happened, I was like, oh shit. Uh, uh, they they just chopped off his trigger finger. Now he's That's like, what I to thought shoot too. guns as well. Yeah, yeah. But then it, it's not his trigger finger. It's just nah. another finger. This is ring finger. Yeah. And I love the way they just put that uh the, the you know the brand on his on his finger just to mm-hmm. stop the bleeding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then yeah. the brand on his back to get there. Yeah. Yeah. A lot he's, of tattoos. He's gone through some shit, man. Oh man, vicious. Yeah, I did love the. I mean, I I want to know more about the whole orphanage and you mm-hmm. know the uh, the ballerina and them, you know, learning how to rustle and I do want to see more of that. Yeah, they, they didn't kill Angelica. They just shot her. They just stabbed her hands together. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. They didn't kill her. Yeah, they they went easy on her. Yeah, um, fucked up Lawrence though. They did seven <laughs> lashes for seven bullets. Yeah. <laughs> 
One thing I, uh, it's not a big thing, but one thing that did cross my mind is like, if there are these bylaws of, okay, you didn't, you, you know, you didn't help John Wick, but you helped him by not killing him. I mean, that they would know that, you know, ignorance of the law is not a defense, right? Like they would, it kind of, they were kind of like, oh, shucks, I didn't think of that. It kind of seemed like. You know, who is who is they you're talking about? I'm talking about Lawrence Fishburne and Winston, the the main dude. Whenever they got in trouble by the adjudicator for not killing John Wick when they had the chance or for basically mm-hmm. letting him go. You know? You're saying like why were they surprised when the law came down on them? Yeah, like I I guess I mean this isn't a big thing honestly. I'm just kind of nitpicking at this point. But yeah, like like they 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 they, they did know what they were doing then is Totally. Do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I think they knew what they were doing. I okay. just think they they didn't want to give up the crown. You know, they were yeah. like, "You're gonna have to take me down." Yeah, especially yeah. Winston. And I love how Winston just let them fight. Oh, <laughs> while just, he was just chilling with some wine. With yeah, some wine. <laughs> that's what I would do. Yeah. So I was actually able to come up with some, I guess you could call deeper meaning stuff, which I was actually not expecting. I walked away from this movie saying, "Damn, I'm glad I was like, you know, taking some strict mental notes." But so here's a, there, there's. Various references to some folklore, especially Russian folklore, but there's actually a couple different ones. So the first one is that the book that functions as John Wick's hidden stash is a collection of Russian folk tales compiled by Alexander, I'm going to screw this up, Afanasyev, called, and uh, all right, I'm not going to read the Russian, but it basically just translates into Russian folklore. It's like Nardonia Ruski Skatsky, which I think just means nice Russian accent. thank you yeah, right. which I think just means Russian folktale so this is the book that uh, he later kills a guy with uh, but when he goes up and he opens the book it's to an illustration of the character Vasilia in the Russian fairy tale Vasilia the Beautiful sometimes called Vasilia the Beautiful and Baba Yaga and all throughout the movie John Wick is referred to as Baba Yaga which is like the this Russian folk devil type but it's not really the devil so when he opens, and then he opens that, peels back that image, and then the first thing he sees is an image of him and his wife. And so I've been trying to figure out if there's any heightened relevance to it. Um, I'll give you guys a little bit of a summary of the uh, folk tale. So Vasilia the Beautiful tells the story of a beautiful girl named Vasilia who has a cruel stepmother and two older mean stepsisters who send her out to find light at Baba Yaga's house which is a house on chicken feet with a fence of human bones. So with the help of a magical doll that her her dead mother gave her, Vasilia completes the exhausting tasks that Baba Yaga asks of her and then gives her burning coals, which then kill her evil stepmother and stepsister. And then at the end, she moves to the city and becomes a very skilled maker of cloth and marries the czar. Interestingly, there in the fairy tale, there's a white writer, a red writer, and a black writer in the story. And I was thinking maybe you could connect that to John Wick riding the black horse. But they're basically just meant to symbolize day, the sun, and night in the story. So I couldn't really find anything that was big one-to-one here. But I think basically the reason why they invoke that fairy tale is just very fundamentally to show this kind of division between John Wick, the devil, John Wick as Baba Yaga, and John Wick as the husband. And I guess his wife is kind of like Vasilia, or maybe it's not his wife that's Vasilia. It's like that their marriage is like that in that he's constantly torn between these two identities 
of him as the loving, nurturing family man, and then him him as John Wick, Baba Yaga, the devil. But I don't know. I couldn't really think of anything that went any deeper than that, but I did think it was interesting that they invoked a specific Russian folklore tale that has Baba Yaga in it, but it might just stop there. It's just a Russian folktale that has Baba Yaga in it, and that's the book he kills dudes with. How did Keanu's, how did uh, John, Wick's die, John Wick's wife die? Doesn't cancer? she just die from cancer? Yeah, okay, that's what okay, I thought. Okay. Although, to, to, to what you said, Greg, I wouldn't be surprised if in John Wick 4 or 5 it's revealed that she didn't actually die from cancer and that the mob actually took her, took her out in some elaborate ploy to get I John mean, Wick just, back in. It just seems not a good storyline, something deeper. I mean, I really do think that the first John Wick movie was just conceived as... Someone kills man's dog, man goes ape shit. You didn't, and, think, uh, and so you didn't I, think they thought it was going to be a hit like this? No, I, oh, not like this. Yeah. No, I mean, like, what Definitely other not. what other original IP action franchises are there that was really born out of an original idea? I guess you're right, yeah. yeah. There's very few and far Die hard. That's why we're so lucky. Oh, yeah, that's like fucking 30 years old. Hey. Classic, though. Classic. I'm talking about today. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, it's huge now. I mean, the I, I wonder what the budget was on the first one and what it is now. Oh, I bet yeah. it's tripled or something. Oh, yeah. I mean, the desert scene? <laughs> when they went out there, I was like, God, this is expensive. They deserve it, man. That's money well spent. <laughs> All right, so I, so I got another one. So um, when he is approaching the Tarkovsky Theater which is the theater with the ballerinas and they're training all the assassins. The Marquis says, The Tale of Two Wolves. Now, interestingly, The Tale of Two... There is no ballet, The Tale of Two Wolves. I looked that up. But The Tale of Two Wolves is an old Cherokee folktale. So this is how it goes. An old Cherokee is telling his grandson about life. He says, A fight is going on inside me, he said to the boy. It's a terrible fight and it is between two wolves. One is evil. He has anger, envy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, and ego. The other is good. He has joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. The same fight is going on inside you and inside every other person, too. The grandson thought about it for a minute and then asked his grandfather, which wolf will win? And the old Cherokee simply replied, the one you feed. So that's that's the whole folktale. It's deep. And I, it, this is essentially the same thing I was arguing earlier. It's the two sides of John Wick, the loving husband slash dog lover and Baba Yaga. And the one that exists in the one that is fed. And in these movies, the devil side is the <laughs> one that is being fed. So you think he'll find love in one of these upcoming movies? No, I don't. No? I, I think the best we can ever hope for John Wick is that he finds some sort of peace if he dismantles the entire Russian New York mob, yeah. and then maybe he's able to just live peacefully remembering his wife. I think that's probably the best we can hope wow. for. Sounds Jer- sad, John. I, I, I really like that a lot, the, the Tale of Two Wolves thing. Um, I, I actually have a meta point about that. Go for I it. I just came up with. You okay, have- hold on. Hold on. There we go. <laughs> so, you know, the very first movie, uh, it kind of, we really get, it's from the perspective at the beginning of like everyone's, like the legend of Bob, of John Wick is around, like the boogeyman is out there. We don't even, before we ever meet him, everyone's like, oh my God, John Wick's coming. Holy shit. He's like, 
you know, he's the boogeyman there. And then we hang out with him. We meet, we, we meet the loving husband guy. But this is all in the first movie, like when what y'all are saying. Like, he was just kind of this indie underground movie. But now he was fed we with the box office receipts <laughs> we, we got him famous and now we're just seeing the other side we're ju- we, we're just seeing you know the movie is just basically structured and created to give us the best kills and make him you know you, you see this badass side of him we don't get any of the the sentimental stuff the the nice loving husband and uh because we fed the beast and we just want to see the the carnage cuz give us what we paid for in John So you're Lee. saying if we had instead spent our money seeing that rom-com with Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock. Lighthouse. Lighthouse. Then that's the dog we would have fed and we would have had Lighthouse Chapter 3. Exactly. But we didn't. Oh. We chose John Wick 3. We chose John path. Wick. <laughs> Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> All right. So this next point I want to bring up is actually instigated from an email we got from David. So David says, hey, Wisecrack, in anticipation for John Wick 3, I rewatched and re-listened to the John Wick movies and podcasts. And the one thing I think you guys overlooked was the biblical imagery. It most struck me at the end of the second movie when John Wick asks why after he isn't dead yet after being excommunicado. And Winston just says it's because he has willed it, which echoed to me how Milton portrayed Satan in the beginning of Paradise Lost, only able to rise from the fiery lake by the implied will of God. In fact, John Wick seems to play out as a commentary of a symbiotic relationship existing between God and the devil, with the Baba Yaga standing in for the Prince of Darkness, Winston as God, and Lawrence Fishburne as Jesus and other savior figures. The trailers for the third continue this trend, it seems, with shots of Fishburne holding a dove and John riding a black horse, and then parentheses says Pestilence, whose rider carried scales, the symbol of American justice as he engages in all-out war with the rest of the assassin, quote, angels. I was wondering if anyone, particularly Austin, Austin isn't here, might have some insight on the use of biblical imagery and what it might be potentially saying about the nature of good and evil, particularly with the third movie coming out. I mean, the dude definitely has a point. I mean, isn't Winston uh, the same actor that's in that uh, that show on Stars where he actually plays the devil? Uh, I don't have I forget stars. the name of that show. Lucifer? Um, it's not Lucifer. Uh, it's a different. It's a different show. Um, but he does. He he plays the devil in that in that television show. There's um, definitely a lot more religious imagery in this one. I mean, obviously the the ticket is a rosary. Mm-hmm. Um, the the whole ballet looks like it's colored like it's hell. It's very red. Wasn't the ballerina wearing white? And wasn't Angelica Houston wearing white? In the um, when they first get there. The ballerina was definitely wearing white. I think all the ballerinas were wearing white. Yeah, so it could be like angels or and something. And the rustlers like, were wearing white too. I think uh, the only people, to... the rustlers were wearing white. The only people that were wearing black were their his her soldiers, mm-hmm. the guys. Yeah. So I I don't know Paradise Lost very well, but I think that if anything, Paradise Lost might be the next movie, because you know Lucifer famously says, "Better to reign in hell than serve in heaven," and Similarly, at the end of this movie, or towards the end of this movie, Winston asks John if he wants to die as Baba Yaga, serving under the high table, or as a free man who remembers his wife, or something like that. And, you know, Paradise Lost is all about Satan fails to rebel against God and is thrown into hell, where he convenes with his generals and vows revenge. And I would say, if anything, that's what happens at the end with Lawrence Fishburne. That he's, you know, they've... He realizes that... Yeah, it's 
he convenes with his generals, which is now Lawrence Fishburne. He's ready to fuck shit up. Um, I don't know if I see the connection with Winston as God. If, I mean, especially with this movie, and I know that David hadn't seen John Wick 3 yet. I'd say the adjudicator is probably closer to God. But there are a lot of other kind of coded language. So Angelica Houston, when when John Wick says that I want to go to Casablanca, she says the path to paradise starts in hell, which is a very you know, Milton-esque statement. I don't know how much farther it goes than that, though. And then all throughout the movie, people vow their piety by saying, I have served, I will be of service, which seemingly, which also could be tied to Paradise Lost in that, once again, Lucifer would rather uh, suffer in hell than serve in heaven. So there is this, once again, language of service. If anyone is really into classics like Paradise Lost, please send us an email, movies at wisecrack.co. I do not know Milton well at all. But, uh, oh, yeah, and then, of, of course, the burning the rosary upside down on his back, more kind of Satan imagery. Uh, yeah, it's just fucking awesome. You got anything on that, Ryan? No, I, I, that was an interesting email. Uh, that, yeah, because we hadn't really brought up any of the religious stuff up till then. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Good call, guy. What was his yeah. name? <laughs> his name's David. Thanks, David, for the email. Hella deep, David. Hella deep. Hella deep. So the only other thing I got was, so when the tall guy at the beginning comes, and he's about to fight John Wick, he's carrying a copy of the Inferno, and he quotes it. He says, consider your origins. You were not meant to live as brutes, but to follow virtue and knowledge. And then he says, Dante. And then he puts the book up and then proceeds to get killed by a book. Wow. Yeah. Huh. You caught that? You really caught that? I mean, he says it. Okay, but I mean, you saw that it was Dante's Inferno in the book? Well, he says, he says like, Dante, okay. and then he, like, shows the book, and it's, like, this big, ornate copy mm. of the Inferno. And uh, I just think this is more about the same inner conflict of the two wolves inside John, him as a brute, and then him as the loving husband. Oh, it's, I got uh, another one. I mean, in yeah. the first one... When he decides that he wants to go back, he has to like go to hell. Yeah, under, yeah, I remember. He has to I was like, dig you, in. You brought that up when we did John Wick one. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah, he goes to hell. Yeah, I I, I really enjoyed the, the very first fight with that that giant guy. Like I said, because uh, I like when how he said, you know, fuck the rules. I know I got fifteen minutes, but no one's gonna know. I, I'm glad that they showed at least one person disobeying the high table. You know what I mean? Whereas everyone yeah. else is pretty loyal to it. Like, like, especially the, the, uh, the doctor guy. I do yeah. like how, you know, he's like, yeah, you got to shoot me twice. They're going to know. They're even going to know that I pointed you in the direction of medicine <laughs> after that five minutes is up. And I think, yeah, that just casts the high table and the adjudicator as just such a powerful authority figure. Yeah, it's so got, good. They're watching. I like how anybody could be an assassin, too. It's very like, you know, they're not sexist, they're not racist. Anybody, you know, I feel like if, if it was like Star Wars, they'd have like slug assassins. You know, like anybody, <laughs> anybody can kill and get paid. Yeah, 14, $15 million. Shit. Man, I'd be an assassin <laughs> for that, all man. It. All you got to do is just catch John Wick at the time when he's not Sleeping. looking. Yeah. The only other thing I was able to connect to the Inferno is, so there's a whole thing with Infer the Inferno perhaps being inspired by Dante being exiled from Florence and that the whole thing with the Inferno starting with him in the dark woods completely lost is a stand-in for Dante finding himself disoriented having been exiled from Florence so maybe you could draw a comparison between John Wick's exile being ex excommunicado 
and Dante being exiled from Florence, maybe. Um, I actually got one more. So, so there's like kind of a Hobbes Rousseau social contract thing going on when we meet. I'm just gonna call him Braun, the the guy who uh, mints the currency. He plays Braun in Game of Thrones. What was I? Wait, I have his name. You don't watch Game of Thrones, do you, Ryan? I don't. But his name though. is Barada. So he meets Barada. So Barada talks about the social contract. He uh, shows the first piece of currency in order to perhaps make a point about how delicate order can be. And then he talks very briefly about the origin of the word assassin. He says, assassin, hashashin, followers of Hassani, eaters of hashish. And then he laughs. And then he says, others come from, and then I have no idea what he says. It's another foreign word, meaning those who are faithful and abide by their beliefs. So even this one statement, there's a kind of Hobbes versus Rousseau element here. So his first definition of the assassin, the Hashashin, followers of Hassani, eaters of Hashish, refers to a real Ismaili king who, in a fictional tale, uh, that's a very famous fictional tale, uses Hashish to motivate his warriors to believe that they had experienced a fake paradise. In this sense, like Hobbes, people are inherently evil and need to be forced to do good. And then his second definition of assassins, he says, meaning those who are faithful and just abide by their beliefs, is more aligned with Rousseau, who believe that human nature is inherently good and better off without government. And I think, yeah, I mean, I think that the fact that the adjudicator is like this kind of leviathan that keeps all that is the enforcer of all the rules. And the fact that John is dismantling this authority is all the more association with the devil. And I think just seeing that first coin and that first marker, just, yeah, it's a really kind of interesting philosophical embodiment of the nature of rules, the nature of where authority comes from and how John Wick really is this force of chaos. He's just bringing it all tumbling to the ground. I just wish it was a different person <laughs> giving the rules out. She was, was horrible. She was horrible. Oh, she oh, was oh. awesome. <laughs> but yeah, it's rules in chaos because you know they—that's their industry—is murder and death. And, but it's like even they have rules, and you can't break them. It's cool. That's, yeah, cool world with old computers. Like what? What were those like? Yeah. Macintosh. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, that's all I've got. I fucking love this movie. Me too, dude. I don't really have any anything else to say if you guys want to go to the mailbag. Let's do it. All right. We've got some voicemails. If you want to send us a voicemail, hit us up at 213-534-8807 or 21-ELF-GUT or ELF-HUT-07. Mm-hmm. So this first one is from Quinn about Children of Men. Hey, Wisecracks. Quinn here. I just listened to your Show Me the Meaning podcast on Children of Men, probably my second favorite movie ever. Um, you asked in that about the song Ruby Tuesday used in the movie. So I don't have any good explanation of um, any deeper meaning to that song. However, I have always found that scene particularly interesting um, with Jaspers and his wife. As As far as I can tell, that's the only scene in the movie um, where we don't have Theo present. The rest of the movie, even scenes not involving him directly, he's always listening in or watching from afar, 
and while the camera may have its own perspective, it seems to be heavily anchored to Theo's perspective. And this I always bring up when I hear somebody complaining about why the movie ends where it does. However, I've never had a good explanation for why this one scene is the outlier. So just wanted to check in, see if uh, anybody had any thoughts on that. Peace. Thank you, Quinn. That is a great point. I also want to know how the hell did none of y'all know that that was the Rolling Stones? Uh, I don't know what to tell you, man. <laughs> what I thought the it was... fuck? I know. You fuck. uncultured I don't know. I don't know. swine. I, yeah, I know. I know. I deserve it. What do you want me to do? <laughs> is that the Children of Men? That's the Clive Owen movie, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What scene are you guys talking so about? So it's when Michael Caine, okay. who plays like the hippie, ex-hippie dude, he euthanizes his wife. He gives her that pill, mm -hmm. and Goodbye Ruby Tuesday's playing. And to Quinn's point, uh, Clive Owen had like left by that point. Yeah. So I agree. I find that to be pretty interesting. Now I'm trying to conjure the image of the shot in my head. I feel like it was, was there like a bookshelf in the foreground? I don't know. I need to rewatch it, but that is interesting. Um, I don't know if I can really attribute any greater meaning to it, but any time you have a movie that is entirely from the perspective of one character and then you break that, it's a pretty strong choice. So, great point, Quinn. Good movie. Good movie. Really good movie. Yeah. Where does that rank in your Quaron uh, movie list, Ryan? Um, it, It's up there. Top five for sure. I mean, Whoa. but uh, it's I, I, I like uh, Itumama. E2 Mama Tabian? Tabian more than that. I like Roma more than that. I probably oh, like what? Uh, uh, the space movie more than that. Gravity. You like that dude? You like that dude a lot, huh? I love Oh, dude, he's he's one of the best. He's the oh, he's, man. he's a master. I didn't know you would love E2 Mama Tabian. I saw dude, that, that in the theaters, man. Good. Yeah, super hot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and Roma, look, Roma has made me only want to watch movies in black and white now. When I see mm -hmm. a movie in black and white, I'm like, oh yeah, I want to see that. I want to see that. It just adds so much depth to like a movie now. I don't know. I, I actually like Great Expectations more than Children oh, of Men too. I, yeah, th that has a sweet spot in my heart. The Great movie. The '90s one. Wait, are you, is that a Quaron movie? Yeah, Ethan Hawke. Oh, yeah. really? I didn't know he made that one too. Yeah, it's it's. I I, I love that movie. Oh man, that's one of my favorite movies, man. Good soundtrack. Ethan, uh, fucking, what's my boy's name? Robert De Niro. Yeah. I mean, great book. Uh, Paul yeah. Hell yeah. I, I remember the girl I took that movie to, 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 to see that movie. Yeah. Oh. Uh, no loving. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this next one is from Josh about Scott Pilgrim. Hey, this is Josh. Um, I wanted to call in about your Scott Pilgrim episode. I thought it was interesting because Jared made a comment during the episode about um, Scott ending up with knives, but in the graphic novel... Um, Scott ends up with uh, Ramona. Um, it's interesting, too, because the way Ramona is kind of portrayed throughout the whole graphic novel is slightly different. Um, while she does have that manic pixie dream girl kind of feel at the beginning, she actually gets much more nuanced. And actually, within the sixth volume, if at least my memory is correct, is that she kind of mirrors Scott's sort of depression. Um, and it turns out she wasn't even stole by Gideon, but that, in fact, she's just been kind of laying on her, I think it was her grandpa's couch. So there's some really interesting things there. There's also a scene, I think it's in the fifth or sixth one, where Scott tries to kiss Knives towards the end of the story, and they just kind of like both look horrified afterwards. So I just wanted to kind of clarify that. I also think it's really important to talk more about Mega Scott. I think there's some really interesting Jungian shadow integration stuff there. I'm a therapist, so I found that stuff really fascinating. So if you guys want to discuss that at all, 
go ahead. But uh, thank you so much, and I really appreciate what you do. Thanks. Bye. I think so. Thank you, Josh. I I think he might have got it backwards by accident. So it's that in the book or the graphic novel, which I haven't read, but I've heard that he ends up with knives, and then in the movie he ends up with Ramona, or at least him and Ramona are going to quote try again. But yeah, I can't really speak to what happens in the graphic novel. Super interesting. As far as the Nega Scott, um, Jungian shadow thing, my whole thing was that it was like subverting and making, not making fun of, like a, like a parodying the shadow in the sense that usually this is where people face their innermost darkest self. And in this case, like none of that happens. And they're just like, oh, cool, Negascot. Cool. Let's chill sometime. You know, like I'm not going to face any dark side of myself. I'm just going to uh, chill with him, basically. So that was kind of my takeaway of it. All right. Anything on that, Ryan? Want me to move on? Uh, well said, Josh. Thanks for the email. Another great movie. movie. All right, we're going to do one more. This is Henry talking about last week's podcast on 7. Hello, Watch Crack. This is Henry, long-time listener, first-time caller. I was just listening to your 7 podcast, and I find it interesting uh, how uh, John Doe says that his that he killed they killed the detective spark because of his because of his sin, which is envy. Because I'm thinking about it, didn't he already go to to uh, the to the detective's house to kill the wife anyway, or did like that? It is envy actually really some off, or is he just lying about about him being envious, or is he or if he did kill her, is he? Because it's just envy. Is he referring to it as he's just envious in general? So I thought that was really interesting when I was like listening to your podcast. Thank you. Bye. I think the I thank you, um, Henry. I think the idea is that he is just envious of this young, good-looking cop who's got a good-looking wife and a family coming up, and he's just envious of that picturesque family unit. That's kind of what how I took it. When was the last time you saw that movie, Ryan? Oof. Um, it's been a while, honestly. I. Uh, it's good. I think it holds up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love David Fincher. Where is that on your David Fincher list, Jared? Not high, but only because he's so good. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would put Social Network in front of that. I got now I'm blanking on Fincher movies. Fight Club, Fight Club is in front of that. Aliens I would say 3, even see Zodiac uh, is in front the game. of that. I need to see The Game again. Because I remember not really liking it when I was a kid, but what the fuck did I know back then? Benjamin Button. Uh, uh, Benjamin Button's low. <laughs> <laughs> How uh, dare you? Yeah. What else? What? What am I forget? I haven't seen Panic Room. Uh, yeah. That that's at the bottom for me for sure. Oh, it's not that bad. I mean, it's not bad. that bad, but he's a master, and that's his worst it's movie true. for sure. It's true. All right, all right. Uh, no I mean, Jody in my Foster opinion, love, huh? You, no uh, Jody love. Like Panic Room. <laughs> no, no Jody <laughs> Foster love. What? No, it's pretty bad. It's just not that bad. Yeah. I, I'm not expecting it to be like bad, bad. I don't think Fincher's capable of bad, bad. Absolutely no, not. Bad. It's pretty bad. It's just not that bad. I've seen worse. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, we're going to go into the mailbag. If you want to send us an email, comments, questions, concerns, whatever, movies at wisecrack.co. So uh, first I got to issue a correction. Last week there was an email correcting us rightly that we got the Rolling Stones song Ruby Tuesday wrong. I said that it was written by Christian, but it was actually Nathaniel. Uh, and Nathaniel's in our Discord, which you can join by going to wisecrackplus.com. So I apologize, Nathaniel. I fucked that up. All right, so uh, this first email is from Anonymous, and it's actually about John Wick 3. 
He says, Just watched John Wick 3, and although I was thoroughly entertained, I can appreciate why my mate was dissatisfied. It was all there. Giant slaying, buckaroo killings, and testicle-eating dogs. Brilliant. They had even given a reason why John is fighting so hard to stay alive that made sense. The first two acts were class, and they had nicely set up the final showdown where John would have to make the choice of taking down his friend and serve the high table, or taking down the high table and possibly dying in the process. The choice was made, and a fourth John Wick was decided. My friend argued that they had ruined what what could have been a perfect trilogy. Profit over art, he said. I had argued that artists, directors, producers, etc. gotta eat, and that most movies are bad, and if they do find a story that works, they want to keep going. He still thinks that the fourth will be a letdown because John Wick is now a superhuman rather than super resourceful, and increasing the stakes will make the leap to uh, to absurd believability to farcical nonsense even within this story world. That, at the end of the second John Wick, the stakes were clear. He had to kill them all or be killed. This reminds me of the conversation we were having about the whole serialization of cinema. Film's advantage over TV was that they were self-contained stories that had a satisfying, transformative feeling at the end. Although I did enjoy all the movie references, the choreography, and the aesthetics of the film, I was not satisfied with the ending. Or I used to be on my friend's side that the death of cinema as we know it was upon us, that those movies like Iron Man 2, Ant and the Wasp, Thor 2, etc. were all just filler movies that served no purpose other than profit. Then I watched Infinity War and Endgame, which shut our mouths right up. And my mate concedes that if John Wick 4 is a crossover with The Matrix 4, he will shut his mouth again and revere the genius of filmmakers. Anyway, sorry for the wrong email. I just wanted to get your guys' esteemed opinion. Oh, well, you flatter us. Um... (laughs) On the John Wick movie and serialization in film, do you think to continue with the series indefinitely cheapens it? Is John Wick going to become another deteriorating franchise like Die Hard, Aliens, Predator, Transformers, etc.? Is Halle Berry going to get a spinoff movie? I love how the fourth film is when it gets absurd. <laughs> well, because, yeah, because people like to think it's a trilogy. It's nice, you know, clean. Really? Come on, guys. The fourth film, he's been killing, <laughs> he's been killing thousands of people and never really really get hurt gets hurt at all i just you know i mean i think what he's saying is right uh um, television i mean film is the new television uh the new film is the streaming services of what you know people can really get out their uh different ideas look people everybody's just trying to get money this is gonna go (laughs) to like john wick 12 if people keep coming to see it of course it's just how it is I have very strong feelings about this. I think I've even talked about them on this podcast before. But yeah, I think a big tragedy of our modern movie making uh, thing is that is how these cliffhanger movies like like I want half my money back if a movie ends and then it just says come back next year for the next part of it. You know, you should end your movie and then you can have a cliffhanger at the end like the Marvel movies do. Like, like, hey, uh, John, Nick Fury's here. Like, like the, the next movie's coming out. You know, I, I, I don't know why we can't have both is my point. Why can't you end your movie f- like with the final nail in the coffin, but also have a thing that says, oh, you can come back for more, you know, we're, but we're going to change it up a little bit. Like, like, I, I don't know why it had, he had, man, to, it, you know, you know why. No, I don't know why. It's more artistically satisfying for everybody. Okay, if fine. It feels good. But the reason is, we talked about it before, the fact that there is a brand new piece of original IP that has gotten three installations in itself is a fucking miracle. 
in uh-huh. today's world. So yeah. they're not the, the chances of someone paying for a maybe not a John Wick 4 but instead some other franchise that is going to cost as much money and involve as many stuntmen and employ all these fucking amazing martial artists which I consider to be regular artists that otherwise can't get work cuz they're all fucking Indonesian and don't speak English and people in America don't like watching shit with subtitles, the only way those people are going to express their art is if there's John Wick 4. Well, right, no, I'm not I'm not against John Wick 4. That's not what I'm saying, saying He Jared. doesn't like the cliffhanger I am part. saying that oh, okay. you can end John Wick 3 where it feels like either A, he rides off into the sunset or or something uh, uh, where it feels like, okay, this is a the end of this story that you started in John Wick 1 and then oh yeah like either whether it's a post credit scene or it's a right at the very be- beginning before the credit scene you say there might be more coming for John Wick and then duh, 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 let's see John Wick 4 baby you don't uh, why did he have to get thrown off the building and then survive and everyone's just like the, the bad guys are up there going oh shit John Wick's still alive we can't have that going on it like like it didn't end it didn't feel like to me. I okay, I, I see that. But, and that's that's a trend in movies is they don't end and that sucks. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I honestly I was happy because I didn't know if they were gonna make a John Wick four, and this told me that they probably are, and I'm like, fuck yeah, something else to look forward to. That's why they keep doing it. Uh yeah, they but I'm just a, like when it comes down to this, more so than Marvel or any of that shit, I'm a fucking fan. No, I, I don't mind. It's the same reason why we say, Hey, subscribe to this. Exactly. It's the same reason why we tell people on social media because we want people to keep coming back. In Roland Emmerich's Godzilla, they kill Godzilla at the end, and everyone cheers, and the world celebrates, and then, holy shit, zoom in on an egg, and then a little baby Godzilla comes up, cut the credits, that's all you need, you know? <laughs> I, I mean, that, Wait, you're that, defending that? <laughs> I'm saying that that was just a little bit of a teaser. That's all the bit of, um, as much of a teaser to where you're like, oh shit, there's going to be another movie that comes out. You don't need it the I mean, the, this, the, this... the the final act to end in such a you know, to set up the movie, the next movie. You don't need that. Yeah. You, you want them to have the artistic integrity of it, right? Yeah, like the guy said, you know, I feel like you can have both. You can everyone's going to see John Wick 3 no matter if you ended it like that or not. They'll like it more if it ends if you feel like, "Wow, I just saw, you know, a final end of a, a perfect trilogy." And oh yeah, they're going to make John Wick 4 too. Whoa, even better. <laughs> Why can't we I mean, have John both? Wick he survives be I mean, it's not that there is zero finality to this. Like he realized that he was going up against all of New York and he survived that skirmish. I mean, there is a beginning, the, middle, and end. He survived but it, falling but, off But the of war building, still is going on. Which is insane. No, but, but the, the adjudicator had to ask for peace. That battle is over. You know, he's not... He's not exactly excommunicado anymore. He's, like, just next-level fucked because now the entire authority of the high table is predicated on him being dead so the stakes have risen he has lived through this particular conflict that conflict did come to a sort of end but i get it like it is the definition of a cliffhanger and i can see why that sucks but look i'm just because i'm so invested in somebody and some franchise keeping real action cinema alive with stunts and stuntmen and really, really talented artists. I just don't give a shit. Do whatever you want. Do whatever it takes to get those movies made because they're not being made enough. Get that money. Yeah. All right. 
I, I, Go I, ahead. I will just say that the master of of final having your movie feel like it, it ended and also wanting you back for more is James Cameron, like the Terminator series and stuff. They just it, yeah, They're aliens and stuff. Yeah. Like they end, but then you're like, oh shit, there's more. Avatar is probably a bad example, but yeah. <laughs> well, you know, Ryan, these aren't movies; they're uh, they're chapters in a book. <laughs> that's true. That's true. God damn it! Yeah. You're right. We haven't talked about that. <laughs> well, there you go. You know, um, honestly, the, uh, uh, to, to your whole point about the fairy tale, you know, maybe that's why they're called chapters. Is it's like the chapters of the John Wick fairy boogeyman fairy tale? Maybe I don't know if these fairy tales have chapters, but I have to check. I didn't Books get a copy chapters. of that book, but yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they do. I don't know. The 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 uh, Vasilia the Beautiful thing seemed a bit short, uh, but maybe you're right. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, guys, we're running a little bit long. Um, I The last thing I just want to shout out real quick is we got a great email from Chase. Last week when we were talking about Seven, we had a hard time remembering the word that Dante used to talk about people being punished based on the sin that they created on Earth, and that word is contrapasso, and we totally forgot. So thank you for correcting us on that, Chase. Uh, before we leave, where can we find you guys on the Internet? Ryan. Uh, you can find me on Ryan Shorts on YouTube and Facebook. I, ma- I made this Jeopardy video that's been tricking lots of of Jeopardy uh, viewers, and I made a, um, a, uh, a parody on Yesterday, the new Danny Boyle movie, with a, but it's Guar-themed. Sorry if I rambled oh, God, today. That I'm Beatles... on like four Red Bulls. Oh, man, that Beatles <laughs> movie is a Danny Boyle thing? I didn't even realize that. Yeah, you got to check that one out. The Guar fans have, have embraced it. And Greg. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Greg the Grouch, Instagram uh, at Greg Comedy. Also, check out my podcast on the Wisecrack Network, uh, Black Stage Podcast, all about comedy. And my website is gregcomedy.com. Cool. Awesome. All right. I think I think next week, Ryan, we have uh, one of your bosses on. I think we're getting Adam Kovic on next week. If not next week, it's probably going to be the week after. Oh, I don't know. damn, I wish I could uh, uh, tune in because I'm, I'm, I'm going to be on vacation, on, on vacation and in, incommunicado. Right. Well, if it's not next week, maybe it'll be the week after and uh, we can uh, have you on as well. Anyway. Oh, cool. Oh, no, go ahead. What were you say? I was just going to say cool, dog. Can't wait. Where are you going? I'm going on a, a, a boat trip with my parents and, and it's going to be cool. Nice. Are you going on a cruise? No, like a, like a, like a sailboat trip. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I'm not going to bring up any of the specifics, but Ryan's told me some crazy stories about him on cruises, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's not go there. Yeah. <laughs> right. well, we'll save that for uh, some other time. Anyway, <laughs> signing off. Thank you guys for listening. Goodbye from Hollywood, California. Guns. Lots of guns. <laughs> Peace. Peace.